You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Get ready for the Run It Again Podcast. Huddle up! Huddle up! Every week, you'll be hearing stories that take you beyond the daily sports grind with unique insight from former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. Just feels like the college football season discussion gets more and more complicated. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Super Bowl winning coach Mike Martz. I do think professional sports has such an impact on the American psyche that I think everybody's going to want to try and get this up and running in some version of it. We'll connect you directly to the source and tell you what's really going on. Biggest issue is, and I think this is important, is they're not exposed to family either. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. With conversations and tales from guys on the inside. So click the button to subscribe for free and you'll get episodes sent straight to your phone every week. It's Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Coming up, we'll break down the winners and losers of week two. Plus, Solomon Wilcox from Pro Football Focus will join us with the latest inside stats for your fantasy football roster. You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message. Hey, it's Jesse Cage, and every Thursday I release an episode of a podcast I call First Match. It's your wrestler origin story podcast, and this week an ECW legend joins the show, just incredible. Actually, uh, I don't talk about this a lot. Maybe I should. Four to five weeks into training, I, uh, compl- I was completely concussed. My eyes were cross-eyed. I was throwing up all the time. I, I couldn't really uh, do much in the ring. Yeah, and wrestling, it doesn't hurt at all, right? Don't miss Just Incredible on First Match this week, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. If I'm a little, uh, sound a little scratchy and something's going on with my voice, it, it is not COVID. So that's the good news. But, that's uh, good. It's yeah. just letting you, letting you guys know that. And, and I couldn't be happier though, because I'm sitting here with my two favorite guys, probably the most knowledgeable football guys that I know, the coach, Mike March, coach, to take a bow. Give yourself, there we go. And on the other side, Solomon Wilcox joining us again as a guest from PFF. That's Pro Football Focus. Always good to have him. Known Solomon for a long time. Man, we've been in the broadcasting business, seems like forever, like half of our lives. (laughs) But uh, it's great to have you here, Solomon. Hi, hey, great to be on with you guys again. Uh, I know we're getting ready to have some fun talking football. And just the fact that they're back on the football field and playing, I'm elated. Yeah, yeah, I, I am too. And let's get right to it. L- last night, the Monday night game, Saints and Raiders. And Coach and I were just uh, chopping this up a little bit before you got on. Very, very different looking Saints team. Big win, first of all, for the Raiders. I'm not going to take away any of that shine. Big win for them. First home game for the franchise there in the new stadium and the new city, blah, 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 blah. So uh, kudos for that one. But the Saints didn't look like the Saints we know, and the quarterback, I, I haven't seen Drew Brees look like that in a long time. I've never yeah. seen Drew look that bad, uh, Solomon. I don't know. He missing throws. Just the look in his face, uh, I just have never seen that out of him. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him, but that the whole team seemed disjointed. You get down in the scoring position, you get three penalties in a row or four, whatever it was, and you go backwards and missing throws, and yeah. they were gutting him in the running game. They were knocking the Raiders off the ball, and they kind of got off of that, and it just didn't. It just got away from them. Yeah, um, you know, there's the the Saints are in the midst of having to do some early self examination in in the 2020 season. They came in arguably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And coach, you know this, Drew Brees, some of the things he's done, no other quarterbacks have done. I mean, we talk about 5,000-yard seasons. He's got five of them. No other quarterback has more than one. Um, And the things that he's done in terms of his overall completion percentage, he's set records, has broken his own record. But when it comes to pushing the ball down the field, 
those numbers, his average depth of target, those numbers have been decreasing each and every year. Uh, and so that's where I think he's got to improve. They want him to do that. They want him to get the ball down the field. The secondary, this was arguably one of the best secondaries that the New Orleans Saints have had in recent memory. Remember, they bring in Malcolm Jenkins as a free agent to sort of be yeah. the smart guy on the back end. Well, they struggled to cover the tight ends uh, last night for All the right. Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Uh, Darren Waller just took he them behind the woodshed. So, yeah. Yep. So, there are some critical areas with the Saints that they are going to have to address because they thought they had already addressed them, but now they appear to be bigger problems. I, I tell you, I don't like what they're doing on defense up front. Uh, you know, they're playing that 30 at times. The linebacker walked up, and they're just knocking them out of the box. And they're they're yep. too good a football team to play a junk defense. And to me – uh, that's a junk defense. I, those defenses don't last. You run them right out of the park. I'd love to play that defense. Well, John John Gruden loves to play it too, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> and the Saints didn't have Mike Thomas, so that that needs to be put out there, and that that's a key figure there. But even still, uh, l- let me go back to something you just mentioned, Sally. One of the things you guys do very well though, at PFF, you you crunch numbers and you you crunch stats but you apply them in different ways and you give people a different viewpoint of a statistic that they don't often hear. And one of the things I'm curious about, at 41 years old uh, for Drew Brees, and I've heard this for the last couple of years, oh, his arm speed, hit the velocity on the ball, all the physical stuff is starting to slow down. You alluded to it, but do any of your numbers specifically measure velocity of football, speed of football, things like that? No, um, because I think Coach will tell you this. Velocity, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can have this pop gun arm that, you know, if it takes the ball all day to get to its target, that's that's a big deal. But no self-respecting NFL team is going to bring a quarterback in doesn't have at least sufficient arm strength. After that, there's so many other data points that may matter more like accuracy, right? The ability to make great decisions and timing and understanding where to go with the ball as opposed to when to go with the ball. Uh, Not to mention how fast it's going to take to get there. I mean, hey, if you have an arm like Patrick Mahomes or even Josh Allen, what we're seeing right now in Buffalo, I mean, that's a gift. Brett Favre had that gift. But if he didn't know where to go with it, if he didn't have uh, good decision-making and understanding how to read coverages, where to go with the ball, I mean, it would not have mattered how hard he threw it. So we don't necessarily grade velocity because we have other data points that we think matter a whole lot more. And completion percentage is one of those because it's going to determine if you're making good decisions with the ball um, in an adequate amount of times. And Drew Brees is always ranked near the top of our league um, when it comes to completion percentage, he set single season passing records. Then he's gone on to even break those records. So we give him a lot of credit for that. Now, he's not pushing the ball that far down the field. That's why he has the higher completion percentage. Coach would tell you, if you're targeting receivers further down the field, that completion percentage is going to come down a little bit. If you're dinking and dunking it, then the completion percentage tends to go up. You know, there's something going on with him down the field, too. There's several throws he had down the field where it just he hit that back foot and the protections weren't necessarily an issue. He just checked it down right away. And I, it was kind of bizarre to me. Off of two real hard play fakes, he came down and found the back immediately. And, I mean, that's fine. Uh, you know, maybe they were getting doubled because didn't, I didn't see what happened downfield. Maybe they bracketed the receivers. I don't know. But – uh, it's it was kind of unusual. He just didn't look the same to me. The ball isn't coming out quite as fast. He looked a little uh, disjointed. I don't know if he doesn't have the confidence in those guys, but Solomon, to your point, accuracy is everything. In anticipation of the throws, it, 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 that goes along with decision-making. You make quick, good decisions, the ball come out faster. And if you're not sure about your receivers, that, that does affect the accuracy. And, of course, you hold it a little bit. There's so many – factors involved but you know they've they've been together now there's you know they're they should be a lot better than what they looked at looked like uh here last night yeah yeah i just he made one throw i want to say it was right before halftime and uh he he threw into the intermediate part of the field and 
It just didn't look like a Drew Brees throw. There was nothing there. Pressure was in his face, but hell, he's seen pressure now for a, a bunch of years, and it just it just didn't look right. But, but we're, we're going to keep an eye on that situation, obviously. Let's move on here. As we're talking football, Ron Pitts, uh, Coach Mike Martz, and Solomon Wilcots from PFF Pro Football Focus. The, let's start with the Thursday night game. That is the first game of the NFL weekend. And uh, that was the Bengals and the Browns. Yeah, I I thought I had actually wanted to turn the game off at one point because I thought the Browns were going to take off and, and, and blow it out of the water. And I was shocked to come back later and see that the Browns had won by five points. Your take on the game, Mike, and I know you like Burrow. I like him too. And to me, it looks like Burrow at his age, as a rookie with two games under his belt, looks like he's so much further ahead than than any rookie I've seen in a long time. He is. I think he's one of the best to come out in 20 years. Uh, you know, the last guy to me that I saw in a workout was Peyton Manning. That was like that. I And I hate to put that on that kid, but – and I know it's the Cincinnati Bengals. They're doing a pretty decent job with him, but he is really, really, really talented. And he's he's a guy, if they can keep him upright and, you know, let him get the ball out in time and give him good stuff and not make him try to improvise. And that's the key to any young quarterback is you don't, you don't put this on their shoulders, hey, go win the game. And then they get out, they just try to make plays they shouldn't make because it's on their shoulders. And be patient and give him – good people around him and and he's going to have a great career he's just uh he's a very very unusual talent now yeah solomon you're there in cincinnati you live in cincinnati what's your take on this kid well um there's no doubt i think coach uh hit on some really good points talk about decision making right he's excellent talk about accuracy um that's where i think his that's his calling card i think what we maybe did not know about him we thought we knew from watching him go through a murderer's row of defenses in the SEC. He played uh, seven times. He played a top 10 defense uh, during his final season in 2019 at LSU, and he shredded every single one of them. And so now that he's coming to the National Football League and talking with Zach Taylor, the head coach with the Bengals, uh, he's he brings a tremendously high understanding of where to go with the ball against certain protections. He understands when there's going to be a free runner that he's got to be the guy to handle it, to get the ball out, got to go know, got to know where to go with the ball. He he brought that to the table. But I think what we found out, at least in these first couple of games, is that he's a tough dude. Now, we don't want to have to test that medal yeah. <laughs> so early yeah. in the season. Yeah. He's getting hit a lot. He's getting pounded, but he keeps getting back up, and he keeps yeah. fighting. In every single one of these games, he's got the ball in his hand with the very last possession and a shot to win it. That happened against the Chargers, who have a really good defense. Yep. It happened again in this game, where That's we thought it was going to be a blowaway, and he's just still slinging it right up to the very last yep. snap. I don't think we want him throwing it 61 times, but hey, man, he, he was willing to do whatever he needed to do to try to win the game. Well, and that's where you get bad habits. You know, when you're trying to do that stuff and all of a sudden you're trying to make plays you really shouldn't try to make because you're trying to win the game, that becomes a habit on bad teams. And, you know, that can that can turn into a, a, a real negative thing for you. The three things that you just said, though, Solomon, accuracy, you know, the football intelligence, and then the toughness. Those, to me, are the three major components and you grade a quarterback, and he gets A++ in all three of those categories. Yeah. Now, on the other side, Baker Mayfield, uh, and Mike, I know you like Baker a lot. I like him too. <sighs> he he looks like a guy who's caught some time in between making sure he keeps Odell Beckham happy and running the offense. And Odell had a big play, you know, that that, and that sparks the team, and, and we know how energetic he is. But for a young quarterback trying to find his way, another new coach, another new system, He's got to have a lot pulling on him, and that's got to be hard. Uh, it's got to be difficult to be successful like that. It is, and, and I think that's a coach's responsibility. they got to take some of that pressure off of him. You know, they've got to make sure that they get him in a position uh, early in the game to make some plays and get him going in the game. And he's such a high-energy, upbeat guy, and he's, he's all about winning and all those things. He has all the tools. I mean, I just like who this young man is. But they – 
you know, just like anything else, you know, when you have a, when you have an offense, you've got to let him function within that offense. Don't ask him to go outside that. And I, I think that's where he gets in trouble. Yeah, coach. Um, uh, there's no doubt. I think he's got, you know, he's, he'll, he's a risk taker. Okay. I think he has tremendous amount of confidence in his ability, tremendous amount of confidence in his arm. He is a player who has landed, hey, to say the least, um, within an organization that's had a high level of dysfunctionality. Yes. For instance, he's working, what, on his fourth coach in three seasons? Oh, that's, <laughs> you know, see, that's crazy, man. That's, yeah, that's got to be hard. That, the, yeah. This is how you go about destroying a young quarterback if you have to. But oh. he's now – I think he's now weathered the storm of a lot of that. I think the last vestige of that dysfunctionality is something you touched on, Ron, was the fact that he's kind of stuck in between. He's trying to please this diva, right, in <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Okay, let's call it what it is. And, and I agree with Coach. I think that that falls on Kevin Stefanski. He's got to say he's got to be the one to handle Odell Beckham Jr. And he's got to ask Baker Mayfield to run the offense. Let's let's not try to get it to one guy. I know you want him. You don't want to see the theatrics if you don't throw it to him. But I, let me handle that. You run the offense. And and I saw this. I saw them getting back to doing the things that they should do using the run game, using the play-action pass game. They have, I think, the best tandem of running backs in the National Football League in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They talked about it throughout the broadcast. Kareem Hunt was part of a great draft class of, of running backs in 2017 with Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook, okay, um, uh, Alvin Kamara. And, and Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing as a rookie. Almost did it again in his second season, but then he was he was suspended. And now he's come back to the Cleveland Browns where he's still a great running back catching the ball out of the backfield. We know that Nick Chubb nearly led the league in rushing one year ago until Derrick Henry snatched it away. But 35 run plays called by the Browns in this Thursday night game against the Bengals versus 23 passing attempts. And the Browns just had the third highest rushing total in week two with 217 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. What does that mean? They can go play action. Baker Mayfield was 11 of 13 on play action passes, only two incompletions and one touchdown. So their ability to run the ball and run the offense through that backfield, it, it makes everything better for Baker. And he, then he can be at his best. And now you see his efficiency going to the next level. No question. And the discipline of what they do, they just keep him disciplined because there'll be times when they have to, you know, they get behind and, and they're going to have to leave some of that running game and, and win some games by throwing the ball. And he can do that, but you can't just let him because that's his personality. You can't yep. just let him uh, go out there and make plays and run to the sideline, high five. And you, you got to make him an NFL quarterback. And I think they're in the process of doing that right now. Let me get Mike's thought on this real quick before we move on to the rest of the games on, on Sunday. When you have a, a strong, strong personality at receiver, tremendous talent, but a guy who, who's very influential, <laughs> I think both, both good and bad, in, in and on and off the field, how, did, how do you handle that, Mike, from a coaching standpoint? You want to get the best out of this kid. And you know he can be a lightning rod, but he can be a lightning rod both ways. How do you deal with that as a head coach and as a play caller? You know, I had one of those guys in Roy Williams at Detroit. Roy uh, Williams. I remember and, Roy. And, yeah. and Roy was a different dude now when I got there. Uh, very difficult to deal with. And in our opener against Seattle, uh, he didn't play very well. We had a chance to win it, and he didn't block his guy on the edge. And what I ended up doing, and well, I won't get into the details of it because it's kind of sorted, but I ended up grading him in front of the whole team. And I had all the team, his teammates grade him. And then after, at, after at just the first half of the game, and then after that, I had everybody tell him his grades because he, he had this vision of what he was and what he really was was you know, two different things. And he felt like uh, because he's the highest play, paid player we had, and I, I couldn't think of any other way to get the message to him. You're just you're not you're not being a team player, and the grades were all F. They all everybody on that team on offense gave him an F, and it just kind of blew him away. And and the selfishness of it, and and 
you know, obviously they're, they're, we're talking apples and oranges here. He's not, you know, I mean, he's, they're not the same guys. But, yeah. but, but yeah, I see what you're whole, saying. Though. The whole yeah. point is they got to figure out a way, you know, and, because you don't want to create, you don't want to beat him up or anything. You can't do that. You can't beat him up mentally, but you got to make sure he understands he's, he's one of 11. It's not 10 plus one. And that mess, that's a coach's deal there now. You got to figure out a way to get him to be a team player as opposed to this diva that he's become somehow. And I don't know if you can do that with this guy. I really don't. But a lot of people, you can appeal to their integrity. But ultimately, the guys that matter most to him should be his his teammates. And if they're not, then they need to get rid of him. That's good stuff. And, and, you know, you could see it with um, the other players. You know, they're trying to figure out who to follow. Do you follow Odell? Or do you follow the coach or do you follow Baker? And it's right now they're in that they're that kind of team. They're in a state of flux. We talked about the history there. It's been been very dysfunctional. I, I think they've got a chance. I think they've got a chance to go in the right direction, given where they're at right now, given the players, given the collection of these players. But he might be the last vestige of that type of mentality that could take it the other way. And they're dealing with that because they know that he's a good player. He can be an impact player. They're trying to get him going in the right direction. So this is a team that's kind of teetering. They could go either way. If you if someone said, hey, you could see the Browns going maybe 10 and 6, maybe squeaking into the playoffs, given that there are going to be seven teams in the AFC to make it, I think people could get on board with that. But if you said, hey, I could also see them going 6 and 10, and it all falling apart. I think there'll be a lot of people could also be on board with that one as well. I agree. You know, and the thing about Odell is this. I, I just think that you've got to uh, make him choose. Mm-hmm. You have to make him choose. You, you, you're going to be one of us or you're not. And you can't – and that's a coach's deal. You got to – somehow you got to massage that through. And you, obviously you can't approach him like that. But somehow that message has got to, uh, to be there. You're going to be a reason why we win. And I think one of the best ways of doing that and I've had some guys like this that are, you know, they, they're so competitive. They just want the ball. Now, ultimately, I think that's who this guy really is. Odell really is. Is that when you cut it all away, I think ultimately he, he just loves playing. He wants the ball. I'd give him the ball early as much as I could and get him in it and get him going. You know, whether it's three catches in the first quarter, now he's rolling. Now he's going. And, he, you know, his frustration where there's going to be problems that, you get in a game and sometimes you can't get the ball to a guy until maybe the third quarter, late second quarter, you know, they're just, they're just, they're like hybrids. You know, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they yeah. don't deal with that. You know, they, they're so competitive. His motor goes so hard that, you know, you, you hear you're talking to him about being a team player and then you don't throw him the ball. And I think in his mind, he can do, he can do a lot of things to help him win. And he's right. And I think you have to give him the ball early. Uh, somehow, some way, off that play action, get him, get him one over the top, and let him do his thing, and move on. But um, you know, there's he also has to be careful. You got to talk to him about his uh, impact on the team in the locker room as well. Yeah, you guys, man, you guys should be calling games like right now. Wow, that's 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 good stuff. Let's move on here to the rest of the Sunday games. A um, lot of injuries, bad injuries. Saquon Barkley, really my favorite player in the NFL right now, gone for the year, ACL. Nick Bosa, Anthony Barr, peck injury, gone for the year, uh, along with a bunch of other guys. Just so disheartening to see. That said, some interesting matchups. Uh, let's start, start, with, start with the Cowboys and Falcons. Man, that one came from heaven for Dallas. They needed a win somehow, any way, and they got it. Yes, they did. Um, you know, it it was just phenomenal in terms of what happened. When you think about it, the um, Falcons, they would use three turnovers by the Dallas Cowboys. A turnover early by Dak Prescott, then a turnover by Ezekiel Elliott, then another one by Dalton Schultz. So three turnovers. Quickly, the Falcons would jump out to a 20 to nothing lead in the first quarter. Um, it, it was incredible. And, at, you know, that's one of those deals where you're like, oh, I got to turn this one because they're going to have the camera on Jerry Jones. He's going to be hot. <laughs> and you, it just didn't look good for, for Mike. Um, but then the Cowboys got it going. You got to give them a lot of credit. I, that Prescott, I think he proved something to us. This guy's a winner. And all he did was just methodically take him down the field and just kept 
scoring points. Um, they they would just really get it going. Uh, they scored 16 points in the final five minutes. And so that's how they just kind of just methodically just took the ball down the field. 10-play drive for 75 yards. Another nine-play drive in the fourth quarter for 91 yards. And Dak Prescott would run it in on a one-yard touchdown. At that point, they would trail, what, 37-39. And then we get to the over the onside kick, excuse me. And Coach, I'm sure this one <laughs> just drives you crazy because it all of us, it's got to drive us all crazy because you got to know the rules of the game you play. I don't want to go back and, and blame the special teams coach because these guys maybe didn't know the rule. You got If you're a pro player, you should know the rules of the game you play. You got to attack the ball. You got to go get it. It's just, It's like a slow roller at shortstop. You don't wait for it to come to you. You got to go get it. And the Quinn, clock is, so that's that's my take on it. And, and Quinn swear Dan Quinn swears that uh, his team knew the rules, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to give some credit to John Fossil again, the special teams coach. He, he came from the Rams, and, you know, they used to block a punt, seemed like every other series, okay, or pull some kind of trickery somewhere. Very effective. He's got Zerline, the kicker, there with mm-hmm. him his partner yep. in crime, and they're doing the exact same thing. And for a person that says special teams isn't important and, and, and devalues it, you need to watch this game. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that, that onside kick is, is a coaching issue, pure and simple. You know, I don't care whether, you know, they should know it. and That's all garbage. You, that's something that you cover every week in your special teams meetings on onside every week that ball's kick you get on don't wait for it to go 10 yards you get on and it's our ball and that's it it looked to me like they were told to let it go if it didn't look like it was going to go 10 yards yeah that's that's what it looked like to me now and whether they're they weren't told maybe they weren't told that maybe they weren't told anything at all then that's still bad that's just a coaching error period it's all coaching. That that should have never, ever happened in the National Football League. Let's move on to this one. Patriots and Seahawks. Uh, boy, Sunday night. You knew that was going to be a good one. And uh, in the end, the, the Patriots are right there at the door, almost a, 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 a remake of the old Super Bowl matchup. But this time, the Seahawks come out on top. Well, when the game first started, it didn't look like they were going to come out on top because yeah. Russell Wilson drops back, hit the top of his drop, throws a perfectly well-timed and an accurate throw to his tight end, Greg Olson, who we know to be a very good player in this league. It goes off his hands into the hands of Devin McCourty. <laughs> Next yeah. thing you know, scoreboard hadn't even warmed up, and Isn't it's 7 nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. And the Patriots are, are leading. Now, you know, again, you can go to our website at pff.com, and you can subscribe to our – PFF Elite or Edge subscription, and that's where you get all the grades, you get all the data points. That This is where when you talk about quarterbacks and how well are they performing, right? In the record books, that goes down as a pick six for Russell Wilson. But let's all use our, our minds a little bit. Was that a good throw by Russell Wilson? Yes. Should the ball have been caught by the intended receiver? Absolutely. But it goes on his his grade as a pick six, as a devil. I mean, it literally lowers your grade. But that's why we have, the last time I was on with you guys, we have that, that data point that's called turnover-worthy play. Well, that's not a turnover-worthy play. That, that was a really good throw, should have been caught. So you would not, that would not show up um, for Russell Wilson as a turnover-worthy play. So by the time he ended the game, he ended the game with uh, with big time throws and no turnover worthy plays. Five touchdowns to five different players, so that's how he would be graded um, because that clearly was not his fault. It, it was clearly a good throw that should have had a different result. You know, the other part of that that game that is interesting to me is in the fourth quarter, uh, the lack of pressure on Cam. Uh, he he could have peeled an apple back there. Um, but this is so, this is just so indicative of, of uh, the Patriots. You know, you go back over the last twenty years, and if you charted the amount of time or the amount of hits that that they the quarterback has taken at the Patriots, whether you know it's the thing that I've always marveled at, and I don't think that they've ever gotten uh, enough credit or 
attention is just how well they protect the quarterback. They're they're so good at it. they're the best in the league. Yep. And 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 here's another thing, coach. They were going up a, a team that's one of the worst in the league. You remember last year they gave up a first round pick to get Jadavion Clowney because they really did need yeah. a good edge rusher. They they've they have not done well in this area. And so um obviously Clowney didn't come back. He only had three sacks, by the way, last year for the Seattle Seahawks. But they they're still looking for an edge rusher. I think it's probably the, one of the weakest areas on their team. It could be the one thing that could hold them back from really contending for a Super Bowl. So I think that's something that we're going to see week in and week out. Is it's going to be very difficult for them to pressure uh, the opposing quarterback. You remember Week One, Matt Ryan had a lot of time to throw, put up huge numbers. Just that Russell Wilson had an even better week in Week One. He sure did. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Be sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Run It Again. Let's move on here. As we're talking football, Ron Pitts, uh, Coach Mike Martz, and Solomon Wilcots from PFF Chiefs Chargers. Now, we were talking here just briefly before we got on, and Mike, you had an interesting point about what the Chiefs are looking like right now. I think the second biggest stat for winning and losing after the turnover uh, ratio is is yards per pass attempt. Uh, and when it's low, that's not good. And they're one of the lowest in the league. I think 5.9 is uh, the lowest. I think that's the Jets and, and uh, after two games, and they're at six. Uh, and I think that's problematic. That means that everything's a dink and dunk for the Chiefs. I don't know why. I haven't really paid real close attention to what's going on in the offensive line. But there's a reason for that, and that's by design. And I'm, I'm a little worried and concerned about that because it, it showed up against the Chargers. Of course, the Chargers are really good on defense. You know, we know that. But um, it's something's going on there. Uh, they're not pushing the ball down the field like you would expect them to, like they did a year ago. I'm not sure why, and they need to do that. You know, that's what he. You know, that's one of the things he does so doggone well. But I would suspect that there's something going on. They're a little concerned about their ability to protect him. Yeah, six point five yards per pass attempt. Twenty six out of the thirty two teams. Yeah, you don't expect to see that uh, with the talent you have at quarterback with with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe uh, maybe they start to take a few more shots because McCole Hartman is a guy that hardly anyone can run with. We know. Tyreek Hill could anchor the track team, right? They've got speed. They've got they've got plenty of speed. Yeah. And and if the the further they stretch it down the field, um, I mean, one of the best check down backs now in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So yeah, that it'll be very interesting to see what they do because you're right. It this offense, um, they didn't have the explosive plays. They did have um, a wonderful deep throw down the field to Tyreek Hill's 54 yards um, for a touchdown, but. Uh, they could they could have even more big plays than that. Uh, and you're right, Coach. That that number is very surprising. And we'll have to keep an eye on uh, Tyrod Taylor, too. That was a, a critical situation. You never want to hear about a guy ever having chest pains after he's taken an injection or anything else uh, before a game. But uh, that was a situation. Herbert, I thought he jumped in and, and did, <laughs> did almost well enough to win the game. A couple mistakes here and there. He learned a lot. But we'll have to monitor that situation. Very careful as we head forward. Uh, last game we're going to discuss, Rams and Eagles. Rams, boy, to me, the Rams are just rolling. They've got everything going well. They, they had some injuries at running back. That, that's going to be an issue. Cam Akers went out early with a rib injury. And, uh, you know, they're not, they're not a, a, an overpowering team from the run game by any standards. But just like the week before against the Cowboys, I thought they did a great job of tempo, managing the game, getting the ball out of Goff's hands, getting the tight end involved. Higby is, is just showing up more and more as the, as the weeks progress here. 
and uh, they've got number 99. And until somebody blocks 99, including Buffalo this week, they're going to have a lot of problems with this guy and this team. Well, there's no doubt. Um, you know, when you look at the Eagles, to me, I- I'm surprised at how poorly they're playing, particularly along the offensive line where you thought this was going to be a really good team, and now they're not showing the ability to protect Carson Wentz. We saw what happened when they allowed, I think, 31 total pressures week one against the Washington football team. They had given up eight sacks, uh, and then they gave up a tons of uh, pressure against Aaron Donald. It was just a one-man wrecking crew against this group. Yeah. They've got a lot of injuries up front. There's no doubt. Um, you know, they lost their tackle, uh, and then they lost the guard in Brandon Brooks. Um, Jason Peters, they moved him from guard to tackle, and uh, he's on the back nine of his career. And so for me, if this offensive line for the Eagles can't get going, I think it's going to be a long season for them. They're they're one of the most surprising 0-2 teams in the National Football League right now. But I got to give the Rams a lot of credit. They went uh, in the Eastern time zone, and yeah. boy, did they bring it. Their offensive line is performing. They're running the ball very well, and and we know this that when they're running the ball really well, Jarrett Goff is going to look very good. And so far, he ranks in the top five in our PFF system. Uh, He's playing really good off to a great start in 2020. You know, everything that they do at the Rams is centered around that running game. Everything emanates from that. They are not a pocket team. You know, they're not going to get into a two-minute drill at at any time and and move the ball down the field like the Cowboys do. That's just not who he is. I I will say this about the league at this point. I think it's evident when you look at the last two weeks how well time was used in camp by different organizations. Mm, great point. And, yep. and as you look as you look at the Rams, they are as well coached. They look like a well-oiled machine. Uh, they've made the most of it. They're the most physical team I've seen play. Uh, they're the most prepared. They're doing the details on both sides of the ball. The things that I thought they would be lacking in, I thought they'd struggle on defense. I thought they might struggle trying to run the ball, especially with the offensive line, the changes. And they, they've gone right through that. They've fixed those issues. They're really a much better football team. They're at midseason form, I think, at this point. And I think there's some other teams that I'm very disappointed that should be better that didn't probably use the time in camp as well as these guys did. Interesting point as we move on here. Usually teams, when they have back-to-back East Coast games or West Coast games from across the country, they will stay back in that time zone in practice. Like you would have expected the Rams to stay back in that time zone, that Eastern time zone in practice all week before they went you know, up to Buffalo. But with the COVID-19 rules and restrictions, they can't do that, and they have elected not to do that. Sean McMay felt like it was better for his team to, uh, you know, get back home, stay in their own beds, be able to move around, walk around a little bit during the week instead of having everybody locked into a hotel. So interesting, interesting uh, development there. And we'll, we'll see how that affects them as they go back to the Eastern time zone and play the Buffalo Bills this week. So let, let's move on here and talk about next week's games coming up here. We're going to start with Thursday night. And maybe not the most scintillating game, the Dolphins and the Jaguars, 0-2 Dolphins, 1-1 Jaguars. Uh, but that'll start us into Thursday. So, guys, tell me what you think. Dolphins, Jaguars, I'll, I'll give you one guy that we ought to be watching every single week because I think he's starting to turn heads. And I – you know, I started to pour through our data, and I'm looking at Gartner Minshew, who's completing 75% of his passes, okay, uh, fourth in the National Football League. Every time I look around, the guy is just doing some really important things. Now, he did throw a couple of interceptions last week that I think, uh, you know, if he does a better job of protecting the football, they're, they're going to be in more games than not. But right now, he has the seventh higher uh, highest passer rating of any quarterback in the National Football League. And in talking with many of the players and talking with the coaches, the guy's just got a good rhythm to the passing game. He gets the ball out very quickly. He's got a great feel for the pocket in terms of his presence, and the ball is out quickly. And so as you look at it, the receivers for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're all making plays, and they're getting a surprise running game. This team is is battling. They nearly – came back to beat the Tennessee Titans, okay? Um, The Jaguars are are playing very well. 
and uh, he's one of the reasons why. So I think he gives them a chance uh, to win the game. And if I was to ask you guys who's maybe the most productive or the highest graded tight end right now in the National Football League, you might say, hey, Darren Waller for the Raiders after watching last night's game. And, you know, he's been targeted the most. He's had more receptions than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of a guy who's graded higher, Mike Gusecki with the Miami Dolphins is a guy that's really starting to turn some heads. Um, he has the fourth most receptions. But we have this tracking. We track yards per route run. That is, for every route that you run, even when the ball doesn't come your way, you're on the field. It's a passing down. Yards per route run. He's second behind Jonu Smith of the Tennessee Titans. Both of those tight ends are really good. But pay attention to what Gasecki is doing for the Miami Dolphins because he's putting up good numbers for that football team right now. And I think I do think Jacksonville's an ascending team. I, I don't think Miami uh, has found uh, what they want to do there at quarterback yet. And Fitzy, no. I drafted him. I love the guy, uh, but I just think that uh, I, I really think Jacksonville will dominate the game. I think they're a little bit of disarray down there in Miami you know, from a lot of aspects. I don't want to get into, but. Uh, from protecting the quarterback to a lot of things. And, and uh, defensively, they're in a disarray. I just uh, – they're not headed in the right direction yet. The Texans at 0-2 got to go to Pittsburgh at 2-0. and So, you know, that's an uphill climb Ooh. for them. Yeah, they're, they're, they look like they're <laughs> struggling on, on a lot of fronts. They've got the quarterback, but it's uh, – some things need to come together on the win-loss column, obviously. Uh, San Francisco, New York. Both teams banged up. Now, the Giants without Barkley, San Francisco without Bosa, San Francisco maybe without Garoppolo, and the 49ers, man, if they want to keep pace in this hot division, that AF, the NFC West, boy, they, they better start putting some, some wins together and start just playing better. Absolutely. Uh, when you look at the NFC West division, I mean, they've already lost what to the Arizona Cardinals, who are two and zero. The Rams are two and zero. Seattle's two and zero. So yeah, that they've got to keep pace. And and by the way, Ron, they are staying um, in the Eastern Time Zone. <laughs> they are staying yeah. at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, and so uh, maybe they've got some different. COVID-19 protocols, but no, they've always, they've traditionally have always stayed in the Eastern time zone uh, when they're playing out there. And, you know, the DeBartolo family, they live out in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, they like to be close to the team. So anytime the uh, 49ers are traveling back East um, and particularly in back-to-back weeks, they're going to stay. And that's exactly what happened. But after losing so many players on a field that they said was too slick players um, tore their ACL and had a bunch of injuries. They've got to go back to MetLife Stadium now after one week after playing the Jets and now play the Giants. I'm sure that's something that's in the back of their minds and something they don't look forward to. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that they can complain about the field, but the one of the things that we always talk to the players about and, and the equipment people is first thing you do when you get out the bus, get out there and look at the field and make sure you got your right shoes. You know, make sure that for that surface and, and uh, the surface should never be an issue. You, you know, they all carry four pairs of shoes or, and they, they all, tennis shoes will work fine. Whatever it is, get the right shoes on and, and that stuff shouldn't happen. But uh, I just, the biggest thing with the 49ers uh, to me is they're just, they're underachieving on defense. They're not playing on defense like you'd expect. And I thought that they would be a dominant team on defense. They haven't done that. Um there's too many mental errors going on there. Uh, there's too many blown coverages, particularly in the man matchups. And he's, you know, he's a real creative coordinator. He does a real good job, but there's a disconnect. When you have blown coverages like that in the first two weeks, it's not a good message. My guess is we move forward, and that's a great point, Mike, uh, looking at the Raiders taking on the Patriots. Now the Raiders coming off, they're 2-0, and and they're coming off a big national TV win at home in the new stadium. Now they're going back to New England. And whatever amount of money I got in my pockets right now, which obviously is never very much, I would bet that the Patriots are going to correct everything that didn't go right last week, and they're going to try to put a thumping on the Raiders, and I think the Raiders are going to fall right into the trap. You know, what? what is that trap? That trap is, I don't know that they're going to be able to knock the Patriots off the line of scrimmage the way they yeah. were able to run the ball and just knock the front uh, seven off the ball against the New Orleans Saints. 
I, I think Josh Jacobs is a phenomenal back. He leads the league in force missed tackles. Um, but he, listen, going up against the Patriots, they do the fundamental things very well. And surprisingly, the Patriots are always and have been and will be a very physical team as long as Bill Belichick is coaching them. So you're going to have to bring a little bit more to the ballpark. And uh, it'll be interesting to see just how Cam Newton can continue to be productive. Coach, surprisingly, and you and I both know this, Cam Newton has always been someone who's going to complete, what, about 50% of his passes, 58 high 50s, but rarely in the low 60s. What if I told you that after the first two games of the season, he's seventh in the NFL completing 71% of his passes? Now, that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick deserve a lot of credit just to get him up to those levels. You know, had he gone there to begin with, who knows what he had been, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, when he went when he went there from Carolina, you know, we were talking about this with Ron, and I just felt like, what's going to happen? Well, he's going to end up being in a disciplined system that's going to teach him how to play, and all the little details all of a sudden are going to become magnified. And the little things that he didn't want to waste time on, he has to. He doesn't have a choice, and 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 that's made him, a, and that's going to make him a better player than has and. I, th- I think he's just going to get better and better as the season goes on because he's really at this point, to be honest with you, I think he's kind of learned how to play the game in a different way. I think he's paying attention to things that maybe he didn't pay attention to in the past. And I, I, he's, he's just, he looks better. He's playing better. And, yep. you know, discipline is everything in the league. It's everything. When you lose a discipline of what you do, you lose. I don't know that he would, had ever acquired the discipline of being a quarterback. You know, he's, he was allowed to freelance way too much. And I think that's why he was what he was. And he's a great talent and he got him to the Super Bowl, et cetera. But, man, I tell you what, he's going to have the best season of his life this year. There's no question about it. And I, and I think uh, he's been a breath of fresh air, too, for him there when people were worried about what was going to happen there. I do think this about – I know Bill Belichick played him a number of times. He is going to take away what you do well. He's not yep. going to let you do it. He's just not going to let you do it. And he will never beat himself. I, I, let me repeat that. He will never beat himself. The penalties, turnovers, not going to happen. No, nope. not going to happen. If you if you're a guy that gets a lot of penalties, you'll be on a bus. You know that's just the way it is. So yeah. it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough unless it snows back there too. You never know. But you know the you know <laughs> that came from the snow. unless it snows back yeah. there. Huh? And, and, yeah. and Ron, you know, we I know you said you wanted to give the Raiders their credit, and we all do because I thought it was a really good win for them. They were ten to seventeen yeah. on third down, but you know what? Ten penalties by the Saints in that game for oh, one hundred and twenty nine no. yards. No. You telling me that didn't help the Raiders' cause in that game Monday night? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, I, I'm afraid we can see what's about to happen here. So, <laughs> but like they all say, let, they got to play the game. And here's another one they're going to play that's going to be interesting. Dallas is riding high right now. You know, everybody's feeling good. They needed that win to even up at one and one. But they're going out to Seattle this week, okay? Uh, tough game for them. Uh, tough game. Y'all, you're talking about someone. I, I think – Russell Wilson is playing the best at quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation, okay? But all it, it just check all the boxes with Russell Wilson. Every completion percentage, um, just timing, getting the ball out, um, doesn't turn it over. That only interception he's thrown all season long was the one that went off the hands of Greg Olson. He just checks all the boxes, and he's not going to beat himself. I think to Coach's point. Uh, and that's why Bill Belichick came into this game with high praise. He left after the game with high praise for Russell Wilson. Um, ideally, he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played at that position. It's going to be a real test to see if the Dallas Cowboys defense can can rise to the occasion. Because I think Dak's going to have a great day. Because let's face it, Seattle struggles to put pressure on the opposing quarterback. And so I think this one's going to be a shootout, by the way. So so buckle up. I agree with you. I just think that if Russell could play defensive line and do a great job, <laughs> that would be great. But I do think Dak is is in that conversation of being in the top three or four in the league right now. And I, I, yeah. I think Prescott in the running game, uh, they get behind those three turnovers right away. Uh, yeah. they, if they can protect the ball, I, I just think that Seattle's got some problems on defense that are going to get rediscovered yeah. here. And I, I just think that – Dallas, be, being able to win a game like that, 
can change mm-hmm. a season. It can completely energize an organization and a team when that, that happens. That's true. Because those that's are the true. games they've been yeah. losing in the past. That's yeah. right. Those games they've lost in the past. So uh, I just think the Cowboys have got a chance of going up there and, and do it because particularly uh, the state of uh, the no pass rusher with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, Mike, I'm going to let you take this last matchup here. We're, we're getting short on time. The Chiefs and the Ravens. And, boy, if Lamar Jackson wants to make avenge or avenge last year in any way, shape, or form, then this would be a good time to do it, I would say. You're both 2-0, and and you're looking at the league, not only MVP, but the guy who's holding that ring and that trophy that you want so bad. So this is going to be interesting to see how both quarterbacks respond. At, remember, it's at Baltimore. Well, I think the Ravens are the best team in the league right now. Uh, mm. And I think Lamar, okay. you know, his, pat, his rating is off, off the charts, I think, at this point. But there's something going on with the Chiefs there with the uh, you know the, the pass attempt deal. And I, I don't know what it is. For them to beat the Ravens, they're going to have to have some big plays out of the passing game. And they're going to have to share some things up on defense. And so, Mike, you're saying there's something not not in sync with the Chiefs. Yeah, there's a you know there's a reason why they're not pushing the ball down the field, and I'm not so sure that it hasn't it have something to do with the, you know the offensive line. I I think they they're going to have they've had problems protecting him, and I you know they you got to protect this kid. You got to keep him on both feet. The Ravens are just too good everywhere. All three, you know, they're just too good and. I, and they're at home and, uh, you know, love Mahomes, but I think this is going to be one of those things. I, I kind of see uh, the Ravens taking this thing. Hey, hey, Solly, do your your PFF numbers show you anything in relation to what Mike is talking about, the Chiefs not pushing the ball up the field like they were? Oh, yeah, 24th in terms of their uh, yards per pass attempt. Uh, they should be clearly in the upper one-third, if not – maybe top five in terms of what they normally would do. So, uh, no, the ball's not going down the field in a way that uh, we've seen in the past since Patrick Mahomes has become the quarterback with the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. Guys, that's it. Appreciate it. You know what I always say? We have more (laughs) words than you have minutes. So (laughs) We have more words than you have minutes. Man. Always got opinion. Oh, (laughs) I'm Ron Pitts with Coach Mike Martz, along with our guest Solomon Wilcox from Pro Football Focus, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Be sure to join us next Tuesday as we break down some of the biggest matchups of Week 3. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. it again with Ron Pitts and coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.